Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Now, we've brought you 60 shows before. We've brought you 120 guests on those 60 shows, which is, of course, equivalent to two per show. And also, we've brought you 23 world champions in that time. So this is episode 61. It's no different. We're going to bring you another two guests on this week's show. Now, we're going to dive straight into part one. Now, part one on this week's show is going to consist of, as always, the review parts where we review the fights from last week, including the Josh. Joshua Bill and all the other great bills. There were some great fights on last week. And then we will have a little two-minute segment where we talk about the current heavyweight landscape in the USA, the American heavyweights. Because we all know that since Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and all these guys, um, you know, Deontay Wilder at the moment, America have always possessed some fantastic fantastic american heavyweight talent and we're just going to spend two minutes talking about today's current talent pool of heavyweights and um i'm going to give you a little clue it's bad news at the moment for the americans in the heavyweight division especially it really really is but we'll get onto that in a moment so um the first thing to do is to start with the review part then we'll talk about that and then of course we'll bring on our first guest so i'm going to waste no time we're going to dive straight into a fight card that happened over in mexico in monterey nuevo leon uh top of the bill over there julio cesar chavez jr he picked up his 50th career win so his record's now 50 wins two losses and one draw it was a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds over his opponent Dominic Britch who now has a record of 32 and 3 with one draw this was a catch weight of 169 pounds it was a bit of a strange one there uh, that's it for Mexico we're now going to go over to a card that happened over in New Zealand a man that we had on our show two weeks ago Joseph Parker he wasn't on the show last week he was on the show before that now he fought for the vacant WBO world heavyweight title against Andy Ruiz Jr both men had a combined record of 50 and 0 Joseph Parker went in there you know with 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 a bit of a bad start to be honest I think that uh, Andy Ruiz Jr was picking up those early rounds he was very quick his speed seemed to trouble Parker a little bit and I'm a huge Huge Parker fan, by the way. Um, and, you know, as, as the fight went on, I think that Parker warmed into it. Ruiz kind of slowed a little bit. Um, it was weird because I don't think it was because he was running out of steam. I think he was just pacing himself, but not really giving it his all. It was, it was weird. He just didn't seem hungry enough to, to go over there to New Zealand and, and win a world title. He just... I mean, I think he's going to kick himself because he seemed to have a lot more in the tank and he just didn't give it his all. And I think that if he would have, it could have been, it could have possibly gone the other way. A lot of people had this fight very, very close. This was a card that started at eight in the morning on Box Nation um, over in the, over in New Zealand, of course, as I mentioned. But um the thing about Joseph Parker is his defense was really, really good. I've never seen his defense as good as um, it was 
against against uh, Andy Ruiz here because Andy Ruiz, as I said, he's very quick with his hands. I thought that the speed might trouble Joseph Parker's defense because I think Parker's defense can, you know, has a few holes in it. It's previously looked not very, 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 uh, very solid. But I got to say, his defense was fantastic. He was really, really good uh, defending shots. And also, the thing about Parker is when he gets hit with a couple of shots straight away, he throws a flurry back. So when they're exchanging, he always makes sure he gets the better of it. So you'll land three or four shots and then he'll land three or three or four shots. He just, he always does it. Whenever he gets hit with a couple of shots, he quickly lands a flurry straight away just to try and, you know, just so that people onlookers don't look and think, Oh, he got, you know, the other opponent got the better of him there. He always throws in a, 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 a combo, uh, you know, one that catch your eye. So Joseph Parker's a smart fighter. And I think as well, I think he paced himself pretty cleverly over the 12 rounds ultimately it went down to a majority decision so of course that means that uh, one card had it a draw that was the card that they read out first and that was when we thought oh what's going on here and then the other two cards gave it to joseph parker i believe by one round so very 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 close fight there and it definitely there was no controversial scorecards it wasn't uh, six or seven rounds to the home fighter it was very good scorecards and I, I think really and truly it was the right outcome so all the best to joseph parker that's a man we've had on the show twice and we will look to get him one again in the future top fighter 22 and oh and he's the new w heavyweight champion of the world Andy Ruiz Jr. now 29 and 1 he was absolutely um, gutted I think to be honest but he's you know great sportsmanship from them both uh, real classy guys and Andy Ruiz Jr. definitely showed his class he'll be back as well very interesting stuff in the heavyweight division um, now that's it for New Zealand we're now going to go over to one card that happened over in the Liquid and MV nightclub in Portsmouth United Kingdom one fight to mention over there top of the bill Joel McIntyre 14 and 1 going into this fight he fought for the vacant English light heavyweight title against Miles Shinquin now Miles Shinquin was 14 and 1 so both guys very similar records um the one loss on McIntyre's record was previously to Miles Shinquin and he got revenge over Miles Shinquin he won this one unanimously over 10 rounds so both guys now have lost to each other um Miles Shinquin got the win first time round Joel McIntyre got the win second time round there will hopefully be a rubber match between those guys because I know that Miles Shinquin's a very determined hungry fighter he'll be very very annoyed with himself and of course he ends the year on a low so he'll definitely want to get uh to you know, to write that wrong 100%. But that's it for the Liquid and MV nightclub in Portsmouth. We're now going to go over to the big one, Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN Arena, formerly the Phones For You Arena in the United Kingdom, of course. We're going to start with top of the bill, Ayaz, because there's not too much to say about this fight, in all, in all honesty. Uh, Anthony Joshua against Eric Molina. Anthony Joshua coming in here as the IBF World Heavyweight Champion, 17-0, perfect record, all 17 by a knockout. Uh, Eric Molina, we thought that he was going to pose some threats, perhaps. We've seen him wobble uh, Deontay Wilder. He also came into this fight. He's previously said it on our show that he has hurt every single person he's ever been in the ring with, whether it's sparring or a professional contest. This must be the first fight he's ever been in where he didn't hurt his opponent because he barely threw a punch. I had, firstly, not about Joshua, but how uh, frustrated were you or disappointed were you with Eric Molina's attempts to try and win a world title here? I was very disappointed Eric Molina. He, he, it's like he didn't want to be in the ring. He didn't even throw a single punch. 
And obviously, like you know what happened, it, this was Joshua's 18th knockout at the end. Yeah, I think that um, Eric Molina, you know, as soon as he took a, f- a first couple of shots, he seemed to, you know, he seemed to just not want it. I think he threw one punch in the first round. That's not official, of course, but I think it was one or two punches he threw in the first round, which is just terrible. You know, even I could throw more than that. I've never had a boxing match in my life. So, um, you know, that that was just absolutely terrible. He was sitting on the rope straight away. I saw Paulie Malinagi say that, oh, Eric Molina's, doing some very clever stuff here. He's letting Joshua punch himself out, but Joshua was not, um, you know, not stupid enough to fall for that trap. And he was looking to apparently counter Joshua. It was terrible. It was terrible, terrible tactics from Eric Molina. I've never, ever seen him do that. I don't know why he decided to do it in a fight like that. And you've got to think, I was watching it. I was frustrated. I was asking myself the question, Ayaz, if he was to win this fight, if he was to somehow knock Joshua out, you know, this will change his life. He's a good, he's, you know, he's going to become a millionaire. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be in some mega fights. If he's to knock Joshua out, he's, he's, his whole life is going to change financially. The first and um, um, foremost thing. Now, if he was to do that, you know, it's a big ask, of course, but if you're going to sit there on the ropes and let Joshua just completely unload on you, you're going to lose anyway. He was ultimately, he was going to lose. Why not just, you know, just go at Joshua. If Just shit or bust, you know? Why not just completely go at him, throw everything, let him throw back, just completely trade with him. You're either, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. You might knock him out, he might knock you out. But if you sit there on the ropes and just let him pepper you, then it's it's, it's only going to end one way. I, I don't know what that was all about. You know, he's not Muhammad Ali. He wasn't doing a rope of dope. It was just, it was, I don't know what was going on. It was terrible stuff. Anthony Joshua gets another easy win where his opponent doesn't throw a single shot at him. And it's just getting a bit boring now, to be honest. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Joshua at the end of the day. You know, I want him to do well. He's a Brit. You know, I want all Brits to do well. But Eric Molina was terrible. And you can't even blame Joshua because it's not his fault that these guys ain't coming to fight. But none of these guys are coming to fight at all. We've seen a string now of American opponents that have absolutely offered nothing at all. So Anthony Joshua now 18 and 0. He's still the IBF world heavyweight champion. He ends his year on a high. And Molina was down in the third round. And, you know, he didn't even look like he wanted to get up. And then he got back up and it was stopped. So, uh, yeah, Eric Molina, terrible, terrible performance. 25 wins and four losses now his record. Um, I wish him all the best for next year. But um, he ends his year on a on a really low note there. Uh, on the undercard, Luis Conception, he came into the fight as the WBA World Super Flyweight Champion, but he lost the title on the scales when he didn't make weight. So the title was only on the line for Cal Yafai. So Conception was not the champion. The, t- the title was vacant for a short while. And uh, if Cal Yafai were to win, he would become the new WBA World Super Flyweight Champion. And wow, oh wow, did he do that. Cal Yafai was absolutely fantastic, Ayaz. I know that you'll agree with me on that. He was punch perfect. He won every single round. And he made that guy, you know, the champion, look like... A, a novice to be honest he made him look absolutely terrible uh conception couldn't cut the ring off he just could not deal with cal Yafai. it was uh it was just too much for him and i went on to say after that fight that i believe that cal Yafai can become one of the top pound for pound fighters in the world in a couple of years time i asked what did you make of his performance i think he, he bossed absolutely perfect what a fight first of all birmingham's first ever world champion yeah 
And what it was, he the way he boxed, it's like he was boxing and moving him. And Conception is meant to be a two-weight world champion. And Jafar just made it look all easy. Yeah, he really did. He really, really did. But um, an easy win there for Kao Fire, to be honest. And uh, yeah, fantastic stuff for him. Another man we've had on the show and another world champion now. So uh, great, great, great stuff for him. And he's he's making Britain very, very proud. He's now 21 and 0. Lewis Conception, 35 and 5. Um, also on the bill, Scott Quigg. He fought for the vacant WBA international featherweight title against Jose Cayetano. We didn't know too much about him. Uh, Scott Quigg took nine rounds to dispatch of him. I wasn't overly impressed in this fight, if I'm honest. I think Scott Quigg was obviously way too good for him, but he didn't really put his foot down until the later rounds. And I think that, you know, Cayetano was a tough, tough Mexican fighter, but... Scott Quigg, you know, getting him out there in the ninth round and in the way he did, he just didn't impress me too much. So the less said, the better about Scott Quigg. I hope I'm not being harsh. His record now, 32-1 and one with the two draws. Uh, also on the bill, a fight that I'm going to hold my hands up. I said that Dillian White, in his fight against Derek Chisora, I said that that had potential to be a really boring fight. I think the first few rounds were... Um, not so action-packed. I think they it was a little bit of a boring fight. Then there was a fantastic round. I can't remember if it was round four or round five. I think it was round four. And um, all of a sudden, as the fight went on, it just got better and better. And it turned out being, if you forget about the first couple of rounds, it, it turned out to be one of the best heavyweight fights we've seen in recent times. And I'm, I'm not mincing my words. I'm being honest there. It was a really, really good fight. Derek Chisora turned up for that fight. And I think he fought his heart out. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, both men were absolutely exhausted by about round seven. And how they carried on is just unbelievable it just goes to show the fitness of those two guys is just off the chart it was absolutely fantastic both men should be commended uh, both men i'd advise should go to hospital and get themselves checked i thought they were they could have had a heart attack it was that bad the pace of the fight was just unbelievable both men shown you know throwing big shots both men hurt both men wobbled both men absolutely exhausted. It was unbelievable. It was one of those fights. It was so grueling that when you're watching it, you're actually feeling tired yourself. Like, Jesus Christ, you know? It was one of those things. It, it just, it was unbelievable. It's a really, really action-packed fight, in, especially in the, in, the latter, in the latter part of the fight. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, Dillian White, I actually thought going into that fight would probably be the more powerful of the two guys. But Chisora was landing shots on Dillian White that... I just thought, whoa, what's going on here? It looked like Dillian White was going to be stopped a few times. Um, well, you know, I, as I know that you really enjoyed this fight as well. What did you make of the whole thing? What a fight this was. In my opinion, this has got to be at least five of the year contender. I'll tell you something. Chisora boxed like the way he boxed against Vitaly Klitschko. That's how good he boxed. I remember seeing Chisora fight Klitschko and he boxed, he boxed very good. Against Pulev, he, he didn't box very good. But against White, he... he he wobbled White a couple of times, and White it was like this. They were just trading blows at each other. Chisora's throwing punches, White's throwing punches. Chisora's throwing punches, White's throwing punches. But do you know, um, I'll tell you something. Chisora was winning the rounds, but then after in the later rounds, White was White was slowly nicking the rounds. So that's why, in my opinion, White that's how White ran the rounds. 
Yeah, I think that um, she sort of started really well. White seemed to take over. And I think that both men at stages of the fight looked like they were just about to get stopped. But it wasn't because of hard punches. I think that both men can obviously hit hard. It's the heavyweight division. But both men are not like one-punch knockout artists, especially Chisora. He doesn't even, most of the time, turn his shots over. He kind of lands like open-hand slaps almost. He's knocked people out with them, by the way. But he's he's not very... You know, he's very Joe Frazier like he, he, he but he doesn't hit as hard as Joe Frazier. But he just um the way he throws his shots sometimes, he kinda seemed like exhaustion was gonna play a massive part in one of these guys being knocked out. Because Chisora sometimes he was just taking shots and he was on the ropes just breathing heavily and it just looked like he was just gonna if he went down, he you know, he did he did go down at one point. He was a slip, but the referee needed to help him up. He was gone. You know, uh, like I say, credit to both guys. It was just unbelievable the whole fight. It was crazy. So uh Dillian White ended up nicking a split decision. Now a lot of people had Chisora winning that fight. Um I was a little bit nervous about this because I picked Dillian White to win on points. I had a bet on that actually. Uh, so I was, I was sweating when it, when it comes to the decision, especially when they read out that Chisora was, you know, they read out the Chisora scorecard first. So one judge has got Chisora winning. I thought, Oh God. And then of course the next two judges had Dillian White winning, but it was a very close fight. It's good to see the, the grudge match all settled in, you know, in a bit of love and good sportsmanship after the fight. So that's always good. So it's ended on a positive note there and both guys I don't think I think that fight was a thing where both guys I kind of thought whoever loses this is the end for them especially Chisora but I think that after the performance that Chisora put up I think that you definitely can't write him off I think he can still be involved in some big fights in 2017 so all the best to both men and Dillian White 20 and 1 Chisora 26 and 7 a record that you know He's, he's a lot better than what his record would su- would suggest, even though his record's still a good one. Uh, also on the bill, Hosea Burton against Frank Bullioni. This fight, I said last week, would be possibly fight of the night. And until the Dillian White and Derek Chisora fight came on, it was definitely fight of the night. It was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Hosea Burton was down once in the 11th round and once in the 12th round. Hosea Burton had a great start. He was tattooing Frank Bullioni's face. Frank Bullioni was in all sorts of trouble in the early rounds, especially the first one or two. He was just getting hit a lot. He was the one coming forward, but... Hosea Burton boxing off the back foot was able to really get at him. Frank Bullioni kind of looked out of his comfort zone. It almost looked like he didn't look great at the weight for, for, for the early part the early part of that fight. Um, Hosea Burton displaying some great boxing skills throughout the whole fight as well. I've got to say, I think he's a tremendous fighter, Hosea Burton. I've bigged him up a few times before. Frank Bullioni mixed it at better level, I suppose. And, um, his experience showed because Frank Bullioni hung in there. Um, it was a, it was a, another grueling fight. It was one of the best fights I've seen this year for sure. And uh, Frank Bullioni just stayed in there. His shots didn't seem to the power of his shots carried on the whole twelve rounds. They were not, you know, his his power didn't dip as he got as he got more tired. He he hung on to a, a bit of energy. There was a little bit of a second win from Frank Bullioni and uh, experience showed in that fight and he was able to TKO Jose Burton in the twelfth round. So it was an all action fight that one. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I definitely say to go back and watch it. It was a really, really, really good fight. Jose Burton with his first loss now so bad luck to him his record now 18 and 1 Frank Bullioni 18 sorry Frank Bullioni 19 
17 and 2 with the one draw. And he's the new British light heavyweight champion, and rightly so. It was a tremendous fight, though. Hosea Burton was absolutely distraught. He looked like he was crying in the dressing room after, which you don't like to see. But of course, he's the cousin of Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury was in the house. There were so many heavyweights in the house. When you think about it, I as uh, Shannon Briggs was there. David Hay, soon-to-be heavyweight Tony Bellew, that's three. Dillian White, Chisora, Anthony Joshua, Molina, Dave Allen, uh, Luis Ortiz. Uh, who else was in the crowd? Tyson Fury, that's 10 right there. I think there was um, a few others as well, if I'm not mistaken. It was, you know, it was an unbelievable night for the heavyweights. There's so many different guys in the house. Um, also on the bill, Callum Smith, 21-0. and 0. He put his British super middleweight title on the line against Luke Blackledge. Blackledge, 22-2 and 2 with the two draws. Now, Callum Smith dropped Blackledge twice during that fight and he was just winning every round you know I've said it before Callum Smith when he's fighting these journeymen he seems to really perform not very good at all but when he's fighting a good fighter a decent fighter who's coming to fight he seems to be brilliant he always seems to get a knockout usually early he didn't get the knockout early here but he knocked him out with a left hook in round 10 and it was a really really brutal knockout he caught him with a left hook and he just walks off to the corner to the neutral corner like he didn't even sort of look back to see how he landed it was so brutal it's like he hit him and he just knew he ain't getting up from that and he needed you know medical assistance straight away he was down for a long time I reckon he was down for about four or five minutes before they got him up to his feet so a horrible knockout there from Callum Smith and we know he means business he was over eager to perform especially with his name in the hat for that for the uh, for the Badu Jack and James DeGaulle winner so he's definitely uh, looking really good at the moment and I think he'll probably fight one more time probably early in maybe February January February something like that and I think that he'll just probably fight just a keep busy fight I doubt he's going to wait for the James DeGaulle and Badu Jack winner until he fights next. I think he'll probably get out once more and I'd like to see him to as well because he's been absolutely brilliant. Callum Smith, 22-0 and now. Beautiful, perfect record. Also on the bill, Luis Ortiz, he took on Dave Allen. Dave Allen, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago as well. Luis Ortiz moved to 27-0. and Dave Allen, nine wins, two losses and one draw. Dave Allen, as tough as they come. Uh, Luis Ortiz was, again, I'm not, big on Luis Ortiz now. I'm really not big on him. He got the job done in round seven. It was an eight round contest and he, it took him to the seventh round to knock Dave Allen out. And I know that Dave Allen's got a great chin and he's a great guy. You know, I love him to bits, but I've got to say here that Luis Ortiz has signed with Matram now. He made his debut with Matram on the Monte Carlo show. He fought Malik Scott, who a lot of people say he's very, very chinny. He, you know, he got knocked out in the first round by Deontay Wilder. Even Chisora knocked him out. You know, a lot of People thought that he was going to get knocked out very, very early here by Luis Ortiz. And Ortiz went the whole 12 rounds with Malik Scott. And then his second fight with Matchroom, and you really thought he was going to try to impress here. It took him seven rounds. And I think the referee helped him out a little bit to, to stop the fight, to be honest, because I think he could have carried on. It was near the end of the round. Um, I'm not sure what the time was, but I think there was only a couple seconds left in that seventh round. Um, even if there wasn't, I don't think it was like the referee's got to jump in and stop it. I think that he definitely hurt Dave Allen and and wobbled him a couple of times in that seventh round, but I think he could have held on. And Dave Allen is as tough as now. He really, 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 really is. 
So I'm gutted for him because in some crazy world, I would have loved for him to win that fight. But uh, he didn't, of course. And Luis Ortiz, as I say, he's had two fights with Eddie Hearn now and he's looked very underimpressive for me. And I think if he was to fight Joshua, he'll get blown away. He got hit a few times as well by Dave Allen, who just unfortunately doesn't have enough power to trouble someone like Ortiz. But not very impressive there, Luis Ortiz. But he got the job done at the end of the day. Also on the bill, Marcus Morrison. He moved to 14-0 and with a six-round points win over Harry Matthews. Katie Taylor moved to 2-0. and She had her opponent down in the second round, her opponent, Vivian Obanath. So Vivian Obanath now, nine wins, two losses. Katie Taylor, 2-0. and uh, It went the whole six rounds here six two-minute rounds of course and Katie Taylor won every minute of every round and she was brilliant her foot her footwork's really good the way she jumps in throws a few shots and jumps out is just tremendous her hand speed shot selection everything she looks absolutely fantastic she really does Connor Ben moved to 6-0 and he picked up a win over Stephen Backhouse Stephen Backhouse only had one win on his record four losses and one draw Connor Ben now 6-0 and uh, first round knockout there for Connor Ben that's it for that card we're now going to go over to the USC Galen Center in Los Angeles, California. Top of the bill, Jamal Charlo. He put his IBF World Super Welterweight title on the line against Julian J. Rock Williams, 22-0. Jamal Charlo, 24-0. Somebody's O had to go. Charlo was unbelievable in this fight. He really was he had Williams down once in round two, and he had him down twice in round five. He absolutely um Williams actually won because remember he, he got knocked out in round five so there was four rounds before that um, the second round was a 10-8 round for Jamal Charlo uh, J-Rock Williams actually won two of the aside from the knockout round there's three other rounds he won two of those rounds so without that knockout in the second round it was all square it was actually uh, two rounds apiece going into the fifth round and that was of of course the last round he got knocked out but Julian Williams is a good fighter he had definitely definitely be back he was very tough he's going to have picked up some experience there uh, remember a lot of people say you you learn a lot more from a loss than you do from a win so uh, all the best to Julian Williams really I hope he, c- he can come back and offer something else because he, he was good but Jamal Charlo was just too good and of course in the post fight press conference Demetrius Andrade took the mic from someone in the crowd and started saying, you know, when are we going to fight to Jamal Charlo? And that is a fight I'd like to see. Somebody asked a question on Twitter. They said, um, who would you say is the king of the division? Is he the king of the division? You look at the other champions. He's got his other brother who's got the WBC super welterweight title. The WBA is held by Eris Landy Lara and the WBO by uh, Canelo. I think if Charlo or any of these guys, they need to fight each other. We need to see a unification to see who's the king of the division. I'm not sure if Canelo is going to be hanging around at 154 for too long. And Demetrius Andrade, you know, he's, he's a brilliant fighter. He hasn't got a belt at the moment, but he he is another undefeated top, top fighter. I'd love to see Charlo, either of the Charlo brothers against Andrade because he is brilliant. Uh, that's enough of that fight. Though. A great win there for Jamal Charlo. Now 25-0. Julian Williams, 22-1-1. Uh, on the undercard also, Abner Mares. He got out to face Jesus Andres Cuellar. I can't say his name properly i'm very sorry about that both men had similar records 29 and 2 28 and 1 abnamaris 29 and 2 Quayar uh, 28 and 1 it was a split decision win for abnamaris 
so he is the WBA World Featherweight Champion now. Uh, Cuellar was down in round 11 as well, but it was a very, very, very close fight, this fight. So Cuellar now 28 wins, two losses. Abnamares 30 and two with the one draw. Great win for him. Um, I've got to be honest, I haven't seen the fight, but I heard it was very, very, very close. Uh, also on this build, there was a fight on the undercard. Sergei Lipinets against Leonardo Zepavigna. This one was a fight that um, Lipinets won with an eighth-round KO, but it was a very action-packed fight. Uh, his opponent was down. Zepavigna was down in round five. Um, also, there was cuts all over the place from accidental headbutts. It was really action-packed, that one, but a good win for Sergei Lipinets. He's now 11 and and oh, Erickson Lubin was also on the card. He moved to 17 and 0 with a KO in round two. He had his opponent down twice in that round as well. His opponent had a good record of 23 and 1 as well. So, uh, good win there for Erickson Lubin. Also on the bill, Mario Barrios. He moved to 17 and 0. He picked up a KO in round two. He had his opponent down, I think, twice. It might have been three times in round two. I'm not sure. Can't remember now. But a good win there for Mario Barrios. Josecito Lopez was on the bill. He picked up his 34th career win. He picked up a six-round unanimous decision win over Todd Manuel. So good stuff there for Lopez. That's it for that one. We're now going to go over to Omaha, Nebraska at the CenturyLink Center. Top of the bill, Terrence Crawford against John Molina Jr. Now, we had Hank Lundy on the show last week. He's fought both guys. He picked John Molina Jr. to win. I fought Terrence Crawford would win here uh, so Terence Crawford put his WBC and WBO world super lightweight titles on the line Terence Crawford was just too good for John Molina I think that um, his footwork Crawford is absolutely just unbelievable his footwork is tremendous it is he's great his feet are fantastic his shot selection is fantastic you know, his elusiveness is fantastic. Everything about Crawford, I can't really see a weakness in his game. I really can't see any chinks in his armor. He looks absolutely brilliant every time he fights. It was a fantastic win. He believes he's going to be fighter of the year. I think he's in with a good shot of that. But I also think uh, Carl Frampton is definitely for me is the fighter of the year um terence crawford moves to 30 and oh john molina jr 29 and 7 now it was a tko win in round eight for terence crawford he was he was absolutely brilliant and the way he stopped john molina jr i think he's only been stopped like that once i think one man got him down earlier uh, stopped him earlier i think that uh, crawford is the second quickest guy to stop him which is you know no shame john molina jr is a hell of a fighter um just a little note on the fighter of the year there the reason why i'm going to say that i think carl frampton's the fighter of the year is because he fought a world champion an unbeaten world champion at super bantamweight in scott quigg and he beat him in a unification fight then he vacated those titles, moved up to featherweight and beat another unbeaten world champion in Leo Santa Cruz and took his title. So I think to, to beat two world champions, one inside your weight class in a unification fight and one outside of your weight class, both of those guys undefeated. And another note, both of those fights in his opponent's backyards, so I think... You know, he's he's got to be commended for that. If they look at that, I can't see anyone, even though Crawford's brilliant, you know, I can't see the wins over his opponents. A great win over Postle earlier this year. Definitely, 
you can't you can't disagree with that. But um, I don't think Crawford's been as as impressive as Carl Frampton. But uh, that's just my opinion anyway, and that stands for nothing. On the undercard of that fight, the Crawford and Molina fight, there was a fighter on the bill called Sean Monaghan. Now he moved to twenty eight and zero. He picked up a unanimous decision win over ten rounds against Fernando Castaneda, who has a record of twenty four and twelve. Now this is a light heavyweight. Now Sean Monaghan actually was a former um you know he used to go down the the bars and get drunk and i think he used to take drugs and stuff like that he's completely completely changed his life around i, I think he's in his 30s i'm not sure what his age is he's quite um quite old for the sport i suppose but he started late but um he's 28 and 0 and he's going to be getting a big fight soon i'm sure of it you know he seems a good fighter i think he's been clean for 12 years but it's amazing um just just a, a little bit of inspiration there for anybody that um, maybe listening or knows someone uh, could be listening that knows someone that has fallen on hard times before it just goes to show that you know it's never too late to turn your life around so great inspirational stuff there from Sean Monaghan also on the bill Mike yes indeed Reed moved to 21 and oh he picked up a win unanimously over eight rounds against Sidney Sequeira who's now got a record of 26 wins and 12 losses with one draw that's it for the omaha card we're now going to go over to uh, one fight i want to mention on a bill over in the sands bethlehem event center in pennsylvania usa one fight to mention over here kermit cintron former world champion he picked up his 39th career win with a win over rosenberg gomez Rosenberg Gomez retired at the end of round four. He didn't want to come out for the fifth round for whatever reason. I haven't seen it. I don't think it was televised. But Kermit Cintron now, 39 wins, five losses and two draws. Rosenberg Gonzalez, 19 wins, six losses and one draw. That was the last fight to mention on the review part of the show. So, Ayers, we're just going to talk about the current state of the heavyweight division for the American heavyweights. I'm just going to go over a little thing here that I sort of looked at last night. I went on box rec and I looked at all the American heavyweights, all the top guys in the uh, heavyweight division that have fought in the last 12 months. So the guys that I don't mention, if, if I've left anyone out, it's because they haven't had a fight for 12 months. So they're no longer listed on the box rec rankings. I looked at the top American fighters and all these names, it's staggering here, but all these top American heavyweight names, I've gone through them all and all these guys have lost in the last 12 months. And that is from this December to last December. So Eric Molina, he got obliterated by Joshua this week or last week, I should say. Um, Charles Martin, he got obliterated by uh, Joshua earlier this year and Dominic Brazil he got obliterated by Joshua so all three of those guys they're in a bad position they've all lost fair enough they've lost to Joshua Joshua at the moment looks like a machine but all three of those guys he's completely gone through like a knife through bar um Ruiz Jr., he lost last week to uh, Joseph Parker. He's another undefeated guy. So three of the four names I've mentioned so far are all undefeated. Malik Scott, he got beat up by uh, Luis Ortiz, so he's lost as well. So that's five guys so far. Brian Jennings, uh, he lost to Luis Ortiz earlier this year. Amir Mansour lost this year. Uh, Chris Ariola got completely played with by Deontay Wilder, so he's lost. Derek Rossi, uh, Tony Thompson, he was he's lost as well. Also, um, Eddie Chambers lost to Gerald Washington. So that is eleven heavyweight names from America that have all had a bad 
you know, a loss. They've all they've all had a bad twelve months. All these guys, and they are all America's best contenders. And when I look at the other names in the heavyweight division, all you've got the only guys that you can honestly look at. Because remember, Americans they're known for having so many good heavyweight fighters. But when I looked closely at just the last twelve months, they're all they're all in bad places. All of them. The only one who's completely unblemished is Deontay Wilder. Remember, he's he's got, you know, he's known, I'm not knocking him, you know, I like the guy, he's a good fighter, he's showing that he's better than a lot of people thought he was, but he's got a very, very padded record. We don't really know how good he is. He's got better wins than Joshua has right now, there's no one who can argue that one at all. He's got better wins, so he's more proven than Joshua, but just like Joshua is, they've both fought tomato cans, you know, they've both fought bums, they've just knocked out all these guys. Um I've got a real strong opinion on this. I'm sorry if I'm taking some of you by surprise. But, um, yeah, so Deontay Wilder's got a padded record. The only other guy is Gerald Washington. He's unbeaten at the moment. He hasn't really mixed it with any great fighters. He got a good win over Eddie Chambers, where he won every round. But uh, that's really it. And the only other guy, so there's two guys who are undefeated, Deontay Wilder and Gerald Washington. The only other guy is, some would say, washed up, just begging for a payday, Shannon Briggs. He ain't lost in the last 12 months. He hasn't lost for quite quite a while now. Um, you know, since his comeback, he's looked good. And, I mean, I has the American heavyweight division, it's always, they've always had a, a, a load of names. They've always had a load of good fighters, a load of names, but it just seems that at the moment, all those guys, you can rule out as winning a world title anytime soon. They, they've all looked terrible, haven't they, if, if we're being completely honest. Out of Shannon Briggs, Deontay Wilder, and Gerald Washington, I mean, Wilder's already the champion. Shannon Briggs is trying his best to get a world title shot. Uh, Gerald Washington, he's looking promising at the moment, undefeated and all that. Can you see either of those two guys, Gerald Washington or Shannon Briggs, winning a world title at all? Well, to be fair, um, Shannon Briggs has been ordered to fight for the WBA title. And obviously that's not happening now because Lucas Brown's failed a drug test. Now, what I could see is Shannon Briggs find Lewis Ortiz for that WBA title. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, that, that situation's got to get cleaned up. But even then, would you pick Briggs to beat Lewis Ortiz? They're both probably the same age, really. But Lewis Ortiz might even be a bit older, to be honest. I know he's listed at 37, but no one really believes that. Would you pick Briggs to beat Lewis Ortiz? No. Yeah, I don't think I would either. No disrespect to Shannon Briggs. You know, he's, he's probably one of the best interviews we ever done on this show. And Gerald Washington, I as I think it's too early to say. I mean, he's showing, you know, he's doing all the right things. He's getting the good wins. Good win last time out to Eddie Chambers. But, you know, can we? it's too early to say if he's going to be a world champion. But I don't think he will be in the next year or so. So the heavyweight division right now in America is, is looking very, very, very bad. If anyone's got any kind of opinion on this at all, please send us a tweet on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. We can read your opinion on this whole matter. I just think at the moment, the heavyweight division for one in the United States is looking probably as bad as it's ever been. And at this moment now, things are looking terrible out there. But that's really it for that little discussion i thought we'd throw that little topic in there sorry if i upset any of our american listeners i'm very sorry about that but uh part one of course has been the review part it's been the heavyweight united states state and the last thing to do on part one of course before we bring in part two is to welcome our first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new British light heavyweight champion, fresh from his war on the weekend. This, of course, Mr. Frank Bullioni. Frank, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on. 
Oh, thanks very much. It's um, a pleasure to be on, and uh, obviously as the as the new British light heavyweight champion, feels good. Hey, the pleasure is mine, my friend. The pleasure is mine. Now, Frank, I pretty much assessed your fight a few minutes ago on the show, um, but could you just tell us how it went down from your perspective? Because I'm sure every perspective that we we listen to is going to be, you know, good to hear because it was an action-packed fight. Yeah, I mean, um, what our our plan was to to make it a rough and tough fight from the get go um, was to 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 get close to make him work for the three minutes of every round um, because obviously he's he's got he's got a massive reach. There's not many like heavyweights of six foot four in that range, um, so we knew we had to get close. Um, he's obviously comfortable with his boxing style and he's perfected that over the years um, because he's always boxed shorter guys. Um, so we knew we had to get close work the body, um, bring them hands down and slowly but surely um, get on top and, and force the pace and, and push the stoppage. And um, it worked out in the end. It, it took a little bit longer than usual and um, got caught with a few shots on the way in. And there was a lot of head clashes, obviously, where I was trying to force the pace and um, he was wilting and he was he was bending down. There was a lot of head clashes, which caused cuts. Um, there was a few elbows that followed through as well when, when I watched back. I didn't realise on the night, but um, yeah, I, I took I took some shots and uh, took some facial damage, but I got there in the end and uh, did what I had to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, obviously, there was a little bit of trash talking in the build-up. It seemed to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek, really. Uh, you both embraced after the fight. How good of a fighter is Jose Burton now after sharing a ring with him professionally? Yeah, he's a very, he's a very good fighter. There's um, there's no question in his ability. He's a he's a top-level fighter. And um, to be honest with you, I always, I I knew I was a, I was above British level. Um, a lot of people um, knew I had the experience, and they was kind of um, kind of tipping me to to do the business. Um, that being said, I'm glad I prepared for that fight like it was a world title because Jose Burton is certainly a level above British level, um, and I think that showed with his toughness, his heart. Um, the way he was keeping his range, his distance, his, his movement off the ropes. Um, and then I had a good chat with him in the change rooms uh, in the in the hospital afterwards. And he was telling me about some of his previous fights and the way he prepared and then why he hadn't performed. And it kind of, it, a lot of it made sense. Um, I kind of, I, I may have thought I was going to get it done a little bit quicker. And I think he, he thought he was going to beat me and stop me. Um, so we kind of, we both didn't realise how good um, each other were but we both put the work in and that's what made it such a good fight. Yeah, and congratulations to you both on that. Now, something I do want to ask you, Frank, uh, you were the away fighter on the weekend, of course. Now, usually you'd expect Eddie Hearn to get you a hotel, but I heard that you and Derek Chisora shacked up in a house somewhere. What was all that about? Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, we're, um, I'm very meticulous with my approach. Um, I'm, I'm also, I take a little bit of um, paranoia, which I think is, it's quite a good approach. I, I didn't want to be in a hotel. I didn't want to be disturbed. I've got yeah. my own chef in um, who prepared all our meals um, for me, obviously making weight. And uh, although I come up from super middleweight, I was I still had to, to to cut weight and do things properly. So I wanted to make sure that I got into the to the strongest um, of my of my ability. I thought I wanted to get there in the best shape of my life, fully fueled, and do that with the right food. So I brought a chef on board. Um, had all the team. We all stayed together. Myself and Chisora, we trained together. We lived together. We ate together, and um, it was a it was a fantastic build up. And yeah, we 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 spent a little bit of extra money. Um, 
obviously Eddie Hearn put some money towards it, but um, we we went above and beyond, and we we had to make up the difference. But for me, preparation is key, and it was it was well worth it. Yeah, I don't know what was in the air in that house, but uh, you both were in fight of the year candidates, to be honest. So credit yeah. to you both. So Frank, I presume you'll settle down now over the Christmas period. I don't suppose you, you know, you spoke properly with Steve Goodwin, but do you know if you'll look to win the British belt outright, or will you look to any other titles? Do you see a rematch happening in your heart of hearts for next year? Well, I'm going to sit down with um, Steve next week. Um, he's, he's he's had a lot on. Obviously, he's got loads and loads of fighters, um, but we're we're very pleased. I'm, I'm his first British um, champion, so um, we're both we're both thrilled with that. And he's done a great job in manoeuvring me into the uh, mandatory position and getting me that fight. So I owe him a lot of thanks. And um, yeah, we'll sit down together and we'll we'll assess the situation. But certainly winning the British title outright that that's something I would love to do. And um, whilst the world scene is is very uh, very tough at the moment, I think if if I defend the title and um, win that outright. In the next year, and look at Europeans as well. I think that would give me a great stepping stone before I hit to the hit the world scene again. And no doubt, Hosea would probably want a rematch. Do you, do you reckon that's going to happen in your heart of hearts, Frank? Yeah, without a doubt. But now, uh, now I've won the title. Um, obviously, they wasn't looking to fight me um, previously. They they did the best they could to avoid me. Um, so now I'll be I'll be thinking business first. I'll leave that to my manager. Um, Steve Goodwin and um, he'll come up with the best deals possible and um, he'll block a course for me and uh, yeah obviously I'd, I'd love to fight Jose Byrne again I I love those sort of fights I love to give um, give the fans what they deserve but it's got to be for the right money and uh, it'll have to come to London this time you know Okie dokie. Now, something else has come out this week is the fact that Chris Eubank Jr. will be fighting Reynold Quinlan on ITV pay-per-view. Now, a lot yep. of people are very frustrated with that. What's your reaction? Again, I think if the uh, if the demand is there and the uh, and, it, and I'm sure it will be, then um, it will happen. Um, if people are willing to pay to see him fight, um, he's moved up super middleweight now. Um, yep. So there's certainly some some big domestic clashes for him. Um, he always looked. Um, Big at the weight, um, very lean, very cut, um, almost dry to the bone. So um, I always envisioned him moving up to super middleweight. He called me out a few times when I was a super middle. Um, so there was always that um, kind of suggestion that he would move move up eventually. And now he has. Um, I haven't actually heard of the guy he's fighting. And um, I wouldn't really consider the IBO a full, uh, fully-fledged world title, if mm. I'm honest. Um, that being said... Um, it'll get him into into the mix, get him straight into the uh, scene at super middleweight, and uh, certainly open the door for some some big fights. So credit to him, and um, he's he's a very exciting, talented fighter. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think Reynold Quinlan's he's about eleven and zero or something. I think he's about eleven and zero, and uh, it might be eleven and one. He's basically got a, a good win earlier this year over Daniel Gill, and obviously we know he's he's quite past it. I think he knocked him out in round one or two, and that's basically what's got his name into it. So, uh, yeah, will you be paying for it? That's the question. Um, probably not. Uh, in, unless there's unless there's um, some light heavyweights on the card. Um, or, or, or other fighters on the bill that I'm interested in, um, I probably wouldn't be paying just to see um, Chris Eubank, um, if I'm honest. But um, yeah. if, there, if there's a better fight from the bill, then, then certainly I, I love boxing. Um, obviously, I'm part of the sport, and uh, 
yeah, if, if there's if there's some more undercard fights, I certainly would be would be paying to to see it. Okie doke. And the last two questions I've got for you now, Frank. Uh, one other fight I want to get your take on uh, in your old weight division. Badu Jack against James DeGale in their super middleweight unification fight. Now, this one is shaping up to be a good fight. Who do you see getting the W on the night? Well, I think it's um, it's, it's a real 50-50 fight. I think skill-wise, um, James DeGale is certainly um, above him. I think um, naturally talented James DeGale is, is, is up there as one of the best in the world. And uh He's got a great shot selection. His uh, his distance and his movement is is fantastic. Very good timing. Um, however, what does concern me is the the fact that he uh, he takes large breathers or um, time off periods um, during the fight. Um, so he might have a good first three rounds. He might have a good last three rounds. But that middle section um, where he eases off the pace and gets his second win, I think that's where Badajak could come on strong because. He sets a frantic pace. He um, he lives right. He trains all year round, and um, he certainly leaves no stone unturned in the gym. So it's going to be a real good fight. It's going to be a real interesting fight. I think James DeGale, like I say, he'll, he'll take the first three rounds, and then I think Badu Jack will come on strong in the middle. And if if James DeGale can nullify him and um, make his make his approach and his attacks um, unsuccessful, then I think he'll come on strong and. It's um it's a real it's a real pick and fight, but I'd 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 lean towards James DeGale to to win on points. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said there. To be honest, he can't afford to take his foot off the gas with someone yeah. like Badu Jack, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and finally, Jack's Frank, much improved, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he really is. He's very underrated, to be honest. Mm. Uh, finally, Frank, we're approaching Christmas now, so I've got to ask all of our guests this simple question, or it may be not so simple to come to think of it. What is on your Christmas wish list for 2017, Frank? Um, that British title outright, that is certainly up there. Um, the European title, that's on my uh, that's on my wish list. And um, yeah, it's just some, some, some more good quality training that I've, I've had so far with Don and um, Don Charles and Luke Britannia. They're, they're really... Um, ingraining certain things into my style now um, my head movement is starting to come second second nature now and um, I mean for my for my second fight back um, I've almost had like a year off to come into a fight like that and fight someone that's been so active um, it, I thought I did I did quite well evading the shots I know I took some but um, I was rolling a lot and I was moving out of the way and I showed some signs of improvement with the footwork and, and the movement so I'll be looking to to add on to that and the uh, Keep, keep improving with that aspect of my game. Excellent stuff. Listen, Frank, God willing, it all comes true for you. It all comes right. Congratulations once again on your spectacular win the other day. I appreciate you giving us a bit of your time. Have a good Christmas. Thank you very much, Jerry. Have a good Christmas, and we'll you, speak again in the new year. You too. Thanks very much, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is the preview part where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. Now, there's a lot of fights to go through. There's a lot of different cards. Um, I'm going to try to go through these as quick as possible. We're going to start with a card happening over in the Cabaret Amphitheater Kokeko. 
over in Quebec, Canada. Now, I did quite like the sound of that venue, but um, it's got too many long words. But I'm sure it's, it's nice. It's, it's some sort of cabaret club where we're going to see at the top of the bill, we're going to see Jean Pascal, 30 wins and four losses. Uh, he's taking on Stefan Bojic. Now, Stefan Bojic has a record of, or Bozic has a record of 29 and 11. Jean Pascal, 30 and four, as I said, with a one draw. Now, Bozic, we've seen him before. We've seen him take on Chudinov and we've seen him take on James DeGaulle. And in both fights, I remember, I think I was at the James DeGaulle fight. It was over in uh, the shopping center when he was with uh, Mick Hennessy. It was over in Blue Water. Uh, Bozic actually retired on his stall. And he did the same against um, Chudinov. So he's he's got a bit of a history for retiring in fights. So I think, you know, he's in there against Pascal. I think the Jean Pascal should beat him pretty easy. I think Pascal's still a good fighter, you know, despite losing quite bad to Kovalev in both of their fights. He's, uh, he's definitely not finished. Uh, but that's it for Canada. We're now going to fly over to the Fantasy Springs Casino over in California. Uh, fight card to mention over there. Top of the bill, uh, Vacheslav Shabransky. 17 and 0. He takes on Sullivan Barrera, 17 and 1. Now, this one's for the vacant WBC United States light heavyweight title. Shabrensky's a good fighter, um, 17 and 0. As I said, perfect record. Sullivan Barrera, 17 and 1. He's a good fighter. He can hit hard. And he he's, his only loss was to Andre Ward. I think that was Andre Ward's first or second fight when he moved up to light heavyweight. Uh, this one is at light heavyweight as well. It's a 10-rounder. So Sullivan Barrera is a good fighter, believe me. So this one is actually set to be a really, really good fight. It's a, it's a 50-50 in my opinion. If Shabransky can get a win over Barrera in better fashion than Andre Wall did, then that is definitely a statement. Uh, also on this bill, Eddie Gomez. He looks to pick up his 20th career win. He's fighting for the IBF North American welterweight title against Rashidi Ellis, who's unbeaten with a record of 16-0. That should be a good fight. Uh, Antonio Roscoe's on the bill. He's fighting for the vacant WBC international super lightweight title. He takes on Fidel Maldonado Jr., who has a record of 22 and 3 with one draw, a Rosco 25 and 0. Um, that's really it for that bill, to be honest. So we're going to move over from Fantasy Springs Casino. We're going to go over to the Boom Fitness Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. A man who we had on our show last week tops the bill over here, Hank Lundy. Hank Lundy, 26 and 6 with the one draw. He takes on John Depardang, who has a record of 10 wins and one loss. Now, this one's for the vacant Universal Boxing Federation World Lightweight title. So, um... Hank Lundy, you know, he's this guy we don't really know too much about his opponent. So Hank Lundy, very, very confident when we spoke to him last week about his fight. I think he's ready to end the year on a high. I think he's looking for the bigger names in 2017. And I can see nothing here but a win for Hank Lundy. That's really the open and shut of it, to be honest. So all the best to Henry Lundy. Also on the bill, Emmanuel Taylor. We've seen him lose, um, I think it might have been last year, to Adrian Broner. His record, 20 wins and four losses. He's fighting for the vacant. Universal Boxing Federation World Welterweight title as well. So two world titles on the line on this car, but both of them are not, you know, proper IBF, WBO, any titles like that. So they're not really, they are world titles as such, but they're not really classed as proper world titles. His opponent yet to be announced. But that's really it for the 
Boom Fitness Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're now going to go over to a card in Helsinki in Finland at the Heartwall Arena. The Heartwall Arena. Uh, top of the bill over here, Robert Hellanius. He's record 23-1. and one. He's in a 12-rounder at heavyweight, of course, against Gonzalo Omar Basile. Now, Basile has the most padded record in the whole of boxing. His record is 68 wins, 11 losses. He's really beaten no great fighters at all. Um, he's knocked out, I think, 31 of his 68 opponents. Like I say, he's got the most padded record you've ever, ever seen. Uh, Robert Hellania should get the job done here, to be completely honest, despite all the ring experience that Gonzalo Omar Basile has got. So that one is a short and sweet card over in Hell. Sinki, Finland. Now we're going to fly over to France. A fight to mention over here. Christopher Rebras. We've got to mention him. We've got to give him a bit of love. He's been over here and he's gave good accounts of himself against George Groves, against uh, Rocky Fielding, etc. So uh, his record 24 wins, 5 losses and 3 draws. He takes on Carlos Esteban, who has a record of 12 and 2. It's an 8-rounder at super middleweight. So all the best of luck to Christopher Abras. We usually want him to lose against our fighters, so all the best to him. Now we're going to fly out to New Delhi in India at the Tagaraj Stadium. Top of the bill, Vijender Singh. He's 7-0. He puts his WBO Asia Pacific Super Middleweight title on the line against Francis Checker, who has a record of 32-9 and with two draws. We know that Vijender Singh's being pushed heavily by Frank Warren and his team, mainly his son, Francis Warren. Um, this one, of course, over in India. And Vijender Singh is an absolute superstar over there. He's the Bollywood actor turned policeman, turned boxer. He's pretty much everything. So all the best of luck to Vijender Singh. We're really in every continent, every location in the whole world at the minute. We're now going to fly over to France. Top of the bill over here. Hassan and Dam. Uh, of course, we last seen him, I believe. I think he might have had a fight since, actually. But we last seen him in a failed attempt at the Olympics. He tried to do something big in, in the Olympics this year. And he was, you know, bowed out of that. Uh, he's... Record at the moment, 34-2. and two. He's good as a pro. He takes on a guy called Alfonso Blanco, who has a record of 12-0. and 0. And this one's for the interim WBA world middleweight title. So I couldn't believe that this belt was on the line. I really couldn't. So uh, that's that's great stuff there for Hassan and Dam. And um, I really hope he can win the fight. We've had him on the show before. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And as I say, his opponent, 12-0, and 0, he's... I don't really know much about Alfonso Blanco, but to be fighting for an interim world title 12 and 0 must mean you're pretty good, or it must mean that Hassan and Dam's promoters are pretty smart. So uh, all the best to him. Uh, Michael Soros is also on the bill. He fights for the WBA international middleweight title. His record 28 and 1. He takes on Nuhu Lawal. That's the guy who fought Martin Murray on the Monte Carlo bill and put a great account of himself in there and um, pushed Martin Murray pretty close, to be honest. So that should be a good fight. His record's 24-1. Yuriokis Gamboa, where's he been? He's also on the bill. He is 25-1, and one, that one loss of course, to a man that we mentioned in the review part of the show, Terence Crawford. He takes on Malcolm Klassen, who has a record of 33-6 and six, with two draws, and this one's for the vacant WBA International Super Featherweight title. So, all the best to Gamboa. He was a good fighter before he ran into Terence Crawford. He really was. It'd be great to see some of that momentum come flowing back. That's it for France. We're now going to go over to Russia. One fight to mention on this bill. A great, great fight that I'm looking forward to. I'm not sure what's going on. I think that um, Povetkin found a drug test and now I don't know what's going on.
gone on. I haven't seen him banned or anything, but he's fighting for the interim WBC world heavyweight title against Bermain Stavern. So Alexander Povetkin, 30 and 1, Bermain Stavern, 25 and 2 with one draw. Both men have been relatively inactive, and I cannot wait to see the winner of this fight. I think both guys have got similar styles. It's going to be really, really good this fight. I'm hoping to catch it somewhere. But um, all the best to both men, both big men, both good big men. And I cannot wait to see a clean 2017 from both guys. And hopefully they get in there with some of the uh, other fighters. I'd like to see the winner take on, you know, not that it's going to happen, but I'd like to see the winner take on Joshua. I think that would be a really good fight. Uh, That's it for Russia. We're now going to go over to the UK. One fight to mention at the Westcroft Leisure Centre, Carl Shorten. Lenny Dawes gets another crack at the European title. This one's for the vacant EB. European super lightweight title. He takes on Anthony Yigit, who is unbeaten in 19 contests. His record 18 and 0 with one draw. Lenny Dawes 30 and 4 with two draws. We really hope he can do the job. He's a good fighter. He's a nice guy. And uh, we wish him all the best, especially as the fight's only about <laughs> about two or three meters from his doorstep. So great stuff for him. Uh, that's it for Carl Shorten. We're now going to go over to the forum in Inglewood, California, USA so many fights on this weekend. Top of the bill, Bernard Hopkins, 55 wins, 7 losses and 2 draws. Joe Smith Jr. is in the other corner, 22-1. and one. Of course, he got a good win over uh, Andre Fomfara earlier this year. This one's for the WBC International Light Heavyweight title. Bernard Hopkins is, of course, the star in this one. Ayaz, how do you see this fight going? I know that we've really seen Joe Smith Jr. once or twice. He got that good win over Fomfara where he knocked him out early. Bernard Hopkins um, I'm not sure how old he is. Do you know how old he is at the minute? I think he's about 51. Yeah, I fought 51 as well. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy that he's still fighting, but he's still a good fighter. Who do you see winning this fight? How do you see this one going? Um, obviously, this is Bernard Hopkins' final fight. Yeah, he says so. He seems to say so, yeah. Before he retires, I'd like to see Bernard Hopkins win. Uh, I'm going to go for Bernard Hopkins win on points because this is going to be his last fight, according to him. Yeah, again, we know that Joe Smith can bring the power. Um, I don't know, you know, he's never fought anyone like Bernard Hopkins, but then again, no one has because he's like a machine, you know, he calls himself the alien. Um, He is a bit of an alien, to be honest, so hopefully he can go out on a win. But then I think that if he was to win, he might even have a couple other fights. You never know what's going through an alien's head. But that's it for the uh, top of the bill fight. There's a fight to mention on the undercard, a really good fight. This one should be Alexander Usyk. I think he's really trying to be quite active. So this is his first defense. He takes on Tabis so Machunu. Now, Machunu is the guy who beat Eddie Chambers when Eddie Chambers had that short spell at Cruiserweight. He's record 17-2. and two. He's a really, really, really good fighter. Uh, he lost as well to the guy who Tony Bellew knocked out for the Cruiserweight title. What was that guy's name again? Ayaz. Makabu. Yeah, Makabu. Yeah, Makabu beat Machunu. So, uh, yeah. Usyk's taking on Machuna, but it's a good um, it's a good fight. It's, it's a bit of a tough first defence, so it looks like Usyk is, is ready to, you know, take the world by storm, to be honest. So great stuff for Alexander Usyk. Looks like he's trying to do some big things and get some good wins under his belt, even in short succession. So great stuff for him. Also, a man that we had on our show last week, Jason Quigley. He, at the moment, is 11-0. and oh, He takes on Jorge Melendez, who has a record of 30 wins, 7 losses, and 1 draw. 
draw. Jason Quigley, a real good guy, and I wish him all the best in this fight. It's a 10-rounder at middleweight. Uh, Jason Quigley, a top, top man, and I know he's going to get the job done. He is a fighter to look out for, believe you me. Also on the bill, Joseph Diaz. He looks to pick up his 23rd career win. He's in a 10-rounder. He's putting his NABF featherweight title on the line against Horatio Garcia, who has a record of 30 wins, just one loss and just one draw. Joseph Diaz repeatedly in there with these guys with big records. And I tell you what, he's another young fighter to look out for. Believe me, real, real good fighter. Okay, two last cards to mention now. Um, one, th- these fights are both happening on the Sunday. So this is Sunday, the 18th of December. One fight to mention over in Lancashire County Cricket Club, Old Trafford, Manchester, United Kingdom, of course. Uh, top of the bill, Ricky Boylan, 14-3. and three. He's in a six-rounder at welterweight against James Gorman, who has a record of eight wins, 30 losses and one draw. I think Ricky Boylan just trying to win, um, just trying to end his... Uh, his year on a high. And also over in the Glasgow City Hotel in Glasgow, Scotland, this one also on Sunday the 18th, Willie Limond, he looks to pick up his 40th career win, his record 39-5. and five. He takes on Michal Vosica. This one's over four rounds, so it should be a relatively easy win, this one for Willie Limond, seeing as uh, Vosica's got 31 losses on his record. But that's really it for the preview, and there's one last thing to do, I and that of course is to bring us in with the news we usually do it in part one but um this week we've brought you in in part two there's one piece of news and that is Andy joshua will fight vladimir klitschko for the wba super title and the ibf world title on april 29th at wembley stadium Yes, a massive, 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 massive fight, this one, um, for the heavyweight division. Anthony Joshua putting his IBF on the line, uh, the vacant WBA super title, which is the one that uh, Vladimir Klitschko, for some weird reason, badly, badly wanted. Um, so he's happy as well. It's on the April the 29th. Uh, jo- uh, Klitschko has, has made quite a you know, quite a uh, regular thing fighting in, 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 in April. So he'll like that as well. It's over in Wembley stadium. They're going to look to try and sell that out. I know that it holds about 80,000. They did it for Frotch Groves too. Um, they can probably do it. It'd be amazing if they can do it with Joshua's name alone, because he's, he's such a big name. It's going to be interesting though. It's, it's, I'd imagine it's going to have a good undercard. Uh, it's going to be brilliant because a lot of people like myself and a lot of other people, not too quick to, start jumping on the Joshua bandwagon saying he's the best thing since sliced bread but this is his first real test this is his first real test no one can disagree with that uh, a lot of people are trying to say that oh well he's an old man now you know look what he you know he's washed up he's finished now look what uh, Fury done to him he, he's an old man Joshua's going to knock him out easy and it's not good enough we want to see him in there with Wilder listen Wilder and Joshua is a 50-50 fight both men haven't really fought any great great fighters uh, as I said earlier Wilder's fought the better names um, Klitschko is not he did not just become old overnight he was unbeaten for 10 or so years he fought Tyson Fury Tyson Fury was brilliant that night Vladimir Klitschko was awful but it was one bad night we can't just say he got old overnight or you know just because he didn't throw that many punches in the fight he didn't throw that many punches in the round it's because of the awkwardness he didn't just forget how to box overnight you know there's getting old overnight and there's forgetting how to box completely 
Because people are saying, oh, well, he threw about four punches around. Well, that's got nothing to do with being old overnight. For whatever reason, he chose to, to, to you know, he didn't want to be aggressive because he was worried about getting hit. Remember, Tyson Fury had him hurt in parts of that fight. I think that um, this is a real good fight. And I tell you what, this is going to, I'm not a critic of Joshua because I, I, I'm a big fan of his more than anything. But I just think that this is his first proper test. And for me anyway, if he beats Klitschko, furthermore, if he knocks Klitschko out, then definitely I'm saying he's the real deal. I don't think that uh, Klitschko's well past his prime or anything like that. You know, I think he's brilliant. He's, 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 he's one of the best fighters the heavyweight division has ever had, whether he's exciting or he's boring. He, he is really a really hard man to beat. And I think, in my opinion, that um, if Joshua was to beat him, then yeah, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to say that for me is enough. I really think that he is the real deal. That is his first proper test. I cannot wait for it. And I'm so excited for that, for that date. So um, that is when we're going to find out if he is the real deal or if he's not as simple as that. I, I really think that uh, it's the first proper test he's been in. And if he can make a statement like knock, Vladimir Klitschko out, that'll be absolutely unbelievable. It'll be something that um, hasn't happened for a long time. I was going to say hasn't ever happened. I'm forgetting. It was so long ago since he'd been knocked out, Vladimir Klitschko. But um, no, it's, it's going to be about 18 months out of the ring since um, Vladimir Klitschko last fought. So um, his next fight's going to be April 2017. I really, really hope the fight happens and there's no delays for injury or anything like that because I think, if anything, that'll work in Joshua's favour. Um, I'm really excited for the fight. And like I say, a lot of people moaning online even if he is to beat Vladimir Klitschko, people are going to turn around and say that, oh, he's old, he's old. No, I think that's very unfair. I think people that are doing that clearly have just got some sort of bias or or some sort of hate deep down for Joshua. I don't. If he can beat Klitschko, then he is the real deal. It's simple as that. It's definitely, I'm, I'm not going to be criticised anymore or anything like that anymore. Not that I have done. I'm just saying, but, you know, I just want to put that out there. I think this is a cracking fight and we're going to see if he's the real deal or not. And I cannot wait to find out those answers. I've been wanting those answers for a long time now. So that one will be absolutely brilliant. I cannot wait for that fight, as I said. But if I had to be completely honest, if I had to pick a winner on this fight at this moment, I've got to go with Klitschko because he's been there. He's done it. You know, he's got the experience, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua is just like a steam train. He's going through people so easily, but this, you know, Klitschko ain't no, ain't no Charles Martin. Klitschko ain't no, um, you know, no Dillian White, no disrespect to both of those guys, but he is, you know, he was the heavyweight King until he had one bad night against Tyson Fury. He hasn't showed us, he hasn't had a string of fights since then and looked awful in them. As, uh, you know, apart from that one night, he's looked, he's looked good, you know? So yeah, he may be a little bit over the hill, but this is, if Joshua was to knock him out, that would be unbelievable. And, and you know, that win would cement, start cementing his legacy almost, Joshua. So um, all the best to both men. May the best man win. But if, if I have to pick a winner, I'm going to go with Vladimir Klitschko. Again, if you've got an opinion on that fight, remember you can tweet in. We can read out your opinions and answer you on next week's show. So just tweet us on Twitter at Hard Podcast. Now, just before we bring in our second guest, uh, one other thing I just want to make clear to our listeners is uh, me and I, as we did some predictions quite a while back, and the scores were 2-2. And on last week's show, Ayaz chose um, Chisora to beat Dillian White, and I chose Dillian White. So it's 3-2 to me. And then also we done a prediction on the on the Buglioni and Burton fight, and I chose Buglioni, he chose 
Burton. So uh, that's another win for me. So 4-2 to me. And I, as you know, I think he's, we're not too sure if he keeps his scores properly or he adds a few on, but uh, you guys only got to keep the score up on me. So it's 4 2 to me. No cheating from Ayaz, please. But that's really it. That's all the talking done from us. Sorry it's been so long on this week's show. It's just that there was so, so much to go through. That's all the talking done. There's one last thing to do before we end the show, and that, of course, is to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF World Featherweight Champion. It's, of course, Mr. Billy Dibb. Billy, firstly, welcome back on the show. It's been too long. What have you been up to? It has been long, man. I've been chilling out, just been back in the gym, working on my craft, and I'm touring the trot now, man. I'm, I'm glad to be back on the station. Thank you for having me. Hey, we've missed you here, man. We've missed you. So, yeah, what have you been up to in the, in, in the time that we haven't spoke? We probably haven't spoke for about, I reckon it's about 10 months or so now. Yeah, well, I've had two fights. Um, uh, you know, I'm back at rank number three in the world in IBF rankings. So I'm, I'm on the verge of another big opportunity. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, that's basically what I've been doing, man. I've just been staying quiet, staying in the gym and doing my thing. So um, just a moment ago on our show, we, we read out all the fights every week that are happening. Um, we didn't read out your one. I'm, I'm going to leave that to you. You can do the honours on that. So tell us about your fight. You're fighting tomorrow night, you know, in, in your home country of Australia. So, yeah, tell us, uh, tell us about that fight, please, Billy. Yeah, so tomorrow I'll be appearing in a 10-rounder against Emilio Norfat, who has a record of 28 wins, 8 losses and 19 knockouts. He's from Tanzania. I'm really looking forward to going out there and putting on a great performance. Uh, you know, I need to put on a show-stopping performance because, you know, I'm sure this is going to be the last fight that I have before my title eliminator, which is going to put me in position for a world title fight. So I'm just looking to go out tomorrow and make a really big statement. It's, it sounds like it's a little bit of a keep-busy fight, but the guy, you know, the guy can bang by by the looks of his record. He, I know he's, you know, he's got a, a decent winning record. I looked at his opponents. He's been in there with a couple of tough guys. He's a bit of a strong one for a uh, for just a keep-busy bill, in my opinion. Well, for me, I never I never just take stay-busy fights. You know, for me, every fight is a world title fight, so I prepare as though I prepare for a world title, no matter who I fight, because I know that boxing is one punch and ten seconds away from disaster. So, you know, I can assure you that I've prepared well enough. I haven't underestimated this guy by no means. I believe he's, you know, I believe I've got to show him his respect, but I'm going to go out there and do a job on him. Absolutely. So, yeah, we've we've kind of got you on here. It's going to be, uh, you know, pretty short and sweet. Last time we spoke, we went in detail on a lot of different things. It was one of the best interviews we've ever done, to be completely honest. Um, what I want to do now, I want to move away f- from your fight for the moment. I want to go to uh, your division, of course, the uh, the super featherweight division nowadays. Um, I want to throw a few names at you, Billy, a few of the guys that are in the top of, of, of your division and so on. Just about three or four names. I want to get one sentence on them, if, if it's possible, just your opinion on them is that all right for sure for sure okay so firstly i'm going to go with a man that uh, everybody puts as even possibly number one in the pound for pound rankings vassal lomachenko what's your opinion on him oh what an amazing amazing fighter just a sensational talent angles personified you know this this guy he reminds me of a somewhat of a prince of scene you know just the angles that he pulls off he's definitely the most talented fighter in the super featherweight division he's the go-to man and I believe he's the man to beat, you know, if you really want to explode on the scene. He's just an amazing fighter. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. And also Jason Sosa, a man that, to be honest, not many people knew too much about. And all of a sudden, yeah, the last yeah. few fights he's been in, he's been brilliant. Jason Sosa is the guy that came out of nowhere, you know. He just had a, he had, I think he had four draws and he had a loss or whatever it was. And 
he just exploded on the scene and I think he's come good now and he's starting to string together some amazing performances and I believe that he's a really, really strong guy, really strong for the weight and uh, definitely somebody to look out for in the future. And two other guys I want to mention. I'm going to throw it into one because they're fighting very soon. Jose Pedraza, he's 22 and 0 at the moment, of course, a world champion, and he's taking on Javante Davis. I'm not sure if you know too much about him. He's a young undefeated fighter. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know both fighters. I was supposed to fight Jose Pedraza a while back, um, and it didn't it didn't eventuate because I took the fight against Takashi Mira. But Jose Pedraza is definitely an amazing technician, and he's fighting against uh, Javante Davis, who's Got amazing hand speed, amazing hand-eye coordination, but I don't think he's experienced enough to mix it with Jose Pedraza. I believe he's still a bit green, but um, you know, I believe it'll be a good fight. But I believe Jose Pedraza will definitely pull out a decision win. Okay, and finally on on this little series of questions here, um, Nicholas Waters. What's your opinion on him? Not a good um, result the other day for him. No, definitely not a good result. And I, I must say that I was a little bit disappointed in Nicholas Waters only because. He's such a great puncher that, you know, I believe that when you're a puncher like that, you're in it till the last minute, you know, to quit the way he did speaks volumes of his, um, his ability to take, you know, to take what he was, what he was copying. But in saying that, maybe he felt that it was right for him to walk out of the ring at that point. Maybe he thought, you know, live to fight another day, but I don't believe that um, Lemonchenko was hurting him. Lemonchenko is not the heaviest handed guy. So, I mean, he was peppering him up, but I don't think he was hurting him with them shots. But I, I don't know what Nicholas Walters is going to come do from now because the thing is, is that I believe when you're in a fight like that and you quit the way you did, I think HBO turns to blackball you. So, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if HBO doesn't blackball him. Yeah, yeah, he's a tricky, he's a tricky situation that one. Um, and also, you know, everybody knows that, that you're you're pretty good friends with David Hay. Uh, he's taking on Tony Bellew in mm-hmm. in March. Uh, this is a fight that, to be honest, has been received by the British public over here as some people say it's a mismatch. Then you've got the casual fans that say Bellew's gonna, you know, he's got a chance in this fight. A lot of us don't think he does. Um, what's your opinion on that one, Billy? Has he got a chance to to beat Hay at all? Look, I'll tell you something right now. David Hayes is a very close friend of mine, and not not speaking from a friendship point of view, but I believe David Hayes is going to blow him out. You know, I don't think I think it's uh, levels. There's levels to this, and I believe that David Hayes is on a completely different level when it comes to Bellew. You know what I mean? I, even though I like Bellew, and I and I really started to like him after his performance in uh, the Rocky movie, but you know, I believe that um, uh, David Hayes is going to have too much firepower for him. You know, I think. Uh, the best thing for David Hay was that he walked away for a little while. He let himself recover and heal. And, you know, I believe, given the opportunity, uh, David Hay can also become heavyweight champion of the world again. And a question that I wasn't even going to ask you, to be honest, but I'm going to throw it in there. Uh, you may you may not really have an opinion on it, but Klitschko against Anthony Joshua, this is obviously the biggest fight at the minute. Everyone's going crazy about this. What's your opinion on that? Anthony Joshua is the hottest talent in the heavyweight division at the moment. That's what I believe. And I believe that, you know, Klitschko has been out of the ring for a hell of a long time. You know, Klitschko had his time at the top of the mountain, but I believe this is just more of a, more or less a payday for Klitschko and a goodbye fight. I think that, believe me, I believe that um, Anthony Joshua is going to knock him spark out. That's what I believe. Wow, big statement there. And finally, Billy. Um, the last question I've got to ask you now, we've got to ask this to everybody that we've spoke to through the month of December. We're getting in that Christmas spirit now. I've got to ask you, what is on your wish list for Christmas for 2017? My wish list for 2017 is to definitely get an opportunity at the Super Sunday Championship of the World 
and be victorious and cap off what's been an amazing career, you know. We've been a former IBO Super Featherweight World Champion, former IBF Featherweight Champion, and I believe now I'm going to get a chance to become the uh, Super Featherweight IBF World Champion, and I believe that that would be just adding the cherry on top. Excellent stuff. Listen, Billy, I wish you all the best with your wish list. Um, I want to thank you very much for taking a bit of time out. Is, have you already been at the weigh-in today, or are you weighing in a bit later? I'm heading, I'm heading, I'm heading there now. I'm heading there just now. Okay, brilliant stuff. I really appreciate you giving me a bit of time. I know your schedule's a bit busy. Uh, I wish you all the best for tomorrow night, Billy, and we'll speak again soon, my friend. All right, man. God bless. Thank you to the listeners, and take care of yourselves. Happy, happy uh, Christmas. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 61 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A special thank you to our two guests that took part in this week's show, the new British light heavyweight champion, Mr. Frank Bullioni, a true class act and an all-round lovely fella. And also our other guest, the former IBF featherweight champion of the world, Billy Dib. It was funny how that interview came around, actually, the one that we just finished. I was looking down my phone book and I saw Billy Dib's name and I thought, wow, it's been ages since we last spoke. So I sent him a message and I said, when are you fighting next? And he was like, I'm fighting tomorrow. So it was only right that we had to get him on the show. I'd like to send a big shout out to at Miguel Redders on Twitter, who's a top, top fella. Remember, next week's show is the 2016 Christmas special podcast. So watch out for that one. A big thank you to the listeners that have tuned in for this weekly boxing freebie. So whether you've listened while running a bath, walking a path or feeding a giraffe, we are grateful. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week.